Hey up, how you doing? It's Matt and you're listening to episode 36 of the Looking Sideways Action Sports Podcast. The show where I try and uncover the most noteworthy stories in action sports and other related endeavours. So this week's episode is a bit of a departure from the last few weeks. It's an interview with Charlie Dark, runner, musician, DJ, thinker, leader, teacher, speaker, poet and much, much more. Now, Charlie was in a seminal Moax band called Attica Blues back in the day. And he still is now, actually, because they've uh, reformed and doing a few gigs. But he's best known today for founding Rundem Crew, the running community that has been the inspiration for and catalyst of the entire urban running movement that's taken off globally over the last decade. Now, if you're a long-time listener to the show and have been wondering why I went for that slightly cumbersome sounding tagline that I uh, always come out with at the top of the show well here's your answer because when I started this thing I didn't want to limit it to just action sports I wanted it to be about the things that interest me generally and ideas people and movements that potentially inspire me because for me it reflects the way that we live in the modern age really as me and Charlie get into during our conversation when we were younger people just generally did find their place in little distinct subcultures And you did tend to look for signs and symbols that enabled you to find your group or tribe. I mean, these days, at least in my own experience, that's just no longer the case, really. That's why I always get so exercised when I hear dickhead skiers going on about borders and all that bollocks. Because it's 2018 and we do have multiple interests. The days of being solely defined by one particular subculture are over. And if you meet somebody who insists on defining themselves in such a way... I'd say that's a little bit of a clue about them individually. Personally, I surf, snowboard, swim, run, practice the odd bit of yoga, climb every now and again, like to try and remain alive to new experiences. And the possibility that this thing that I know nothing about might have something of value to me that I can learn from or at least be entertained by. All of which is an extremely roundabout way of explaining why I wanted to bring Charlie on the show. Because as you'll hear, he's lived his life in a similarly omnivorous way. He's a man with a unique outlook and an uncanny ability to, as he puts it, curate movements that reflect his own interests. So whether that's the music he made with Attica Blues, the the huge urban running movement he helped to catalyse through Rundem Crew, or the ways he seeks to mentor young people in all of his activities, the common theme is movement, forward movement, and how it links to better mental health, better well-being, and better communities. So yeah... I really enjoyed this one and I really hope my regular listeners who don't recognise the name can come with me on this one and enjoy the unique perspective and wisdom of a truly uh, inspirational character. There's a lot to enjoy in this, whether it's Charlie reflecting on the changes he's undergone individually or the hugely varied work he's done over the last two decades. So here it is, my chat with Charlie Dark on Building the Movement. Enjoy. My day's been really good, actually. I just, um, I mean, every day is good now. I'm just trying to um, take each day as it comes and trying to remain as positive as possible about life. And it seems to be working. Did I see that you had the dreaded Aussie flu? I had the dreaded Aussie flu. Yeah, which has been hitting everyone, hasn't it? Yeah, and then I had the chest infection and that just absolutely wiped me right out. Right. And I got it really bad. Yeah. And so um, that, again, was another big wake-up call. So, really? Yeah, in, like a really big kind of like... In what way? Just in that thing of, I think, you know, you can really get caught in a web of work. Yeah. Where basically you become preoccupied with being busy and... I'm guilty of that. Making, you know... You're a list maker. I'm a list maker. I'm a executioner. You know, I'm a... Let's go make some money. Yeah. You know, and stack it away... And you just caught in, get caught in this loop. And you often see it in a lot of people who work in that industry where it's kind of, yeah. they've got family. So there's kind of, there's this added unseen pressure that's kind of always there where you, you kind of have to kind of keep on the grind. Yeah. And I just basically kind of, my body just shut down. Right. Have you, have you always had that? Have you always lived like that? I've always had the pretender syndrome. Right. Because at any moment now I could get exposed. Really? So therefore, let us work as hard as we can right. and go as hard as we can 
just in case the rug gets pulled out from underneath our feet and we're left with nothing. And I think that comes from my time in the music industry. Right. Is, you know, I was in the music industry at the time when it was kind of, you know, the golden era of the music industry. Yeah, well, your band and was uh, pretty, we were doing really pre well. pretty seminal, yeah. wasn't it? Part so, of that era. So when you get dropped and that kind of major label rug gets pulled out from you and you suddenly wake up and you're kind of like, you can't get a job because everyone's like, what have you been doing for the last 15 years? Yeah. Oh, you've been flying around the world DJing? Yeah, yeah. Why do you want to work in an office? I've been busy. Yeah. 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 So um, that just kind of pushes me. And my body just basically said, we've had enough. Right. We're putting the brakes on, whether you like it or not. Is that the first time you've had something like that where you, you kind of feel it's linked to that? That's the first time I've had it in a very long time. Right. In about 15 odd years. Right. When I've had that. And then basically that was like a, just a real like, right, okay. You've been talking about wanting to make a, have a change and have a break and yeah. change things up. Now is the time. Right. So what, what's brought that on then? What, is that, it sounds like that's been coming on for a while. I guess I've kind of been slightly disillusioned with where running has taken me. Right. If I'm really honest. Yeah. Um, because I think that when I came into running, it was kind of very much like, wow, this is this whole new world that's really super amazing. And there's all these super amazing characters and weird peculiar things that these running people do and the clothes are rubbish and we hate the shoes. And let's see what we can do to kind of try and change that. Yeah. And we definitely, you know, run them and, and urban running crews and the kind of growth of that movement. Yeah. We can definitely see the influence we've had. I'm not necessarily that happy I'd say with where it's gone, because I feel kind of like some opportunities have been missed. Right. Some opportunities to bring some real change have been missed. Did it feel like there was a point when it spun out of your control? Um, I definitely felt like at points that I was on a roller coaster that I couldn't get off. Right. Because it know? did. It was rapid, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I mean we, we, we were just talking before we started recording. Yeah. The story's well told, yeah. know, how, it's, how, you, how you grew it and yeah. how, where it came from and all yeah. that. So I'm not going to ask you about that, but it, it did seem to explode. It exploded far wider than we thought it would. It didn't happen more quickly than we thought it would. Because we'd all been, we'd been doing that for a couple of years before we even, you know, the running around at night and running with crew, is stuff we've been doing under, kind of slightly undercover, yeah. without really surfacing. But so by the time we surfaced, we were like, we were ready. We were like, this is the direction we want to take it. You know, these are the people we're going to speak to to try and make this change happen. Um, but I didn't expect it to go, to spread as globally as it did. Right. You know, to the extent that it's done. That was a really big surprise. And that suddenly, you just suddenly wake up with like, you're one of the heads of a movement that's kind of, you know, spiraling out of control. You yeah, know? yeah. Kind of like, so yeah. So, and, you, and you said you were disillusioned with the way it sort of developed. Um, yeah, I kind of slightly disillusioned. I think, you know, when, when there weren't so many brands involved in the kind of running boom, it was just a bit kind of easier to kind of navigate. Right. I think that what happened is when, you know, when, when brands suddenly woke up to the fact that, you know, one brand has all, this, all these crews and they're doing some really exciting stuff, we, we better get a shift on and kind yeah, of yeah. join in the movement. Then suddenly it kind of, it just felt like this thing was getting, that we'd created started getting pulled in lots of different directions and almost like a divide and conquer kind of, you know, scenario came in because, you know, obviously when brands get involved and money gets involved and yeah. then suddenly it's kind of, you know, it all begins to change. Yeah. And that's kind of where I suddenly started getting a bit disillusioned with the whole thing. Right. Because I guess you, because you were so synonymous with it, yeah. I guess there was an opportunity to make money, right? I mean, to, to actually kind of rinse it. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think, you know, anyone who was in that first wave you know, the original crews that sprung up were actually in it to kind of, to make money. I think we were just generally excited by the fact that we were saving lives and changing lives. Of course, yeah. but what I mean is, you know, once those people get involved, yeah. those brands, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, that is the way it could go, isn't it? But it seems like for you, it's always, the community has been far yeah. more important. Yeah, the community's always, you know, been the most important thing to me. Yeah. To my detriment in some cases. Right. You know, because- Why, why, why do you say that? Because I, you know, I've had to walk away with, from some pretty lucrative and life-changing kind of opportunities. Right, which is kind of what I was getting at, really. Yeah, because yeah. basically I put the community first. Right. You know, and that, again, is what causes part of the, you know, being disillusioned. Yeah. Because you suddenly wake up and think, like, I've made this decision for the, for the good of the greater community. Yeah. But I don't necessarily know if the greater community 
actually appreciates the sacrifice that I just made, right? Or the decision I made, or the impact that I'm, you know, that my decision has made, right? And I've signed the NDA, so I can't really go into it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> do you know what right. I mean? But you know, that kind of, yeah. yeah, right, that kind of, yeah, that kind of um, thing. So you've been. It sounds like you have been pretty disillusioned, and are, are you are you getting? over that a bit yeah yeah definitely I mean over you know the over last year 2017 was a really big changing point for me right personally like a, you know yeah like an immense changing point and um, certain things happened where I was just like right okay I've, I've seen the light really yeah okay you know and I, I definitely fell back in love with running again right because I think what people have to understand is like you know I came into running at a really low point in my life. And, you know, I kind of had arrived at a point round about, I'd say 2015, 2016, where actually running again was, was beginning to become responsible for a lot of very dark clouds that were coming back into my life. Really? So we had... So it became a negative thing? Yeah, some negative things. So we had the fallout of the split from, you know, work with Nike, you know, which was... We worked with them for London Crew, we worked with them for nine years, you know, so that was a quite a big split from that, and that had implications for the wider community. Yeah. We had the unfortunate suicide of a member in, you know, of a young person in our crew, you know. Um, and then basically just kind of like, you know, when you suddenly find yourself at the crossroads where you're just like, I've got all these people who are invested into run them and this whole running thing, but where are we taking them? You know, where are we taking them to? What's the, what's the exit strategy? Like, we've got everyone running now. Yeah. Now what? What's, what's, what's the know, end game? What's the end game? Did you have that at the beginning? Was that clearer at the beginning? Did you think you had it? Do you know what I mean? Like, because it sounds like the whole thing for you has changed. Yeah, I mean, I think my initial thing for me was just like, let's just get, let's get my friends moving. Yeah. I'm tired of going to funerals. You know, I'm tired of going to hospital rooms and watching people's lives people who had previously so much energy, just watching them kind of fade away. Like a bit like a volume control, kind of a BBC fade slowly coming yeah, down. Yeah. Ebbing I, away. Yeah, just ebbing away. I, yeah. I just kind of got you know, fed up of it. So my immediate thing was like, this is an intervention. Right. Running is an intervention in my own life. Yeah. And it's an intervention into other people's lives. Right. I think that's the reason why it kind of was embraced so you know, widely by different types of people. Because of that message, which yeah. is a simple message, isn't yeah. it, really? You know, that a lot of people can buy into. Yeah, let's help each other. You know, let's come together to try something that we think is hard. Yeah. Um, and let's help each other be the best we can be. But that then changed to the point where you're like, well, what is the point now? Yeah, I mean, that, that changes because I think what happens is, you know, when you start working with brands, it's kind of, as you know, if you're involved in the culture, you, you know what's going to work because you created that culture. But then you're trying to explain it to people who they're not from the culture. They don't really care about the culture. What they concern about is selling shoes and making money. Yeah, and, you, well, you, and your job in that position is to protect it, isn't it? Yeah, is to be the, the guardian of it. Yeah. Which, like you say, when there's money, there's people with different motives coming in. Yeah, it's not easy, is it? No, it's, it's, it's you know, and you, and it can do you in. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's 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 hard. But my thing has always been about, you know, I think what people have to understand is kind of. I came from the music industry, which is called the music industry for a reason, because it's an industry and a yeah, business. The key word being industry. It's not about music, <laughs> you know. And so when you've been through the highs and lows of the music industry, when you start getting into, you know, when you start getting into this kind of influencer, brand ambassador, worker with brands life, there are some parallels which are very similar from the music industry. So you look at things a different way. Like once you've been burned once, yeah. You try and not get burned a second time. I mean, I, I had a question for you about that because that, that did strike me because obviously your band, yeah. Attica Blues, you, you mentioned earlier, you had, you know, you were really successful and you, yeah. had, you had a great run, yeah. you know, but then you did get dropped yeah. and you've talked about that a lot. Yeah. Was it Columbia that... Yeah, we were signed to Columbia. But basically it's a parallel, isn't it? You've got a bigger entity coming in yeah. and thinking, I want a bit of that. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then you've had a similar experience with, with this. Yeah, with working with, with the brands. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess my question would be, given that you've had that over two like, massively different life experiences, yeah. <laughs> two massively different cultures, can you ever get out of it intact? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think you can get out of it intact. And I think I've been quite lucky actually. Really? Yeah, I do think I've been quite lucky. Right. Because I've, cause, cause what I've been able to do is to come out of a culture and then reinvent myself. 
you know. And I've, you know, and I guess I'm known for doing lots of different things. Yeah. You know, whereas there were lots of people kind of like, all they ever did was DJ. Yeah. That was it. It's like, I mean, I work with a lot of professional, and I've interviewed a lot of professional athletes on yeah. this. And one of the themes is that, what do I do now? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no guidebook for this. Yeah. But what's next? Yeah. I mean, I just think I just kind of got to a point where, you know, I realized that basically I'm not defined by the clothes I wear, the car I drive, the area I live in, you know, the people I roll with, I'm defined by what's inside me. And I've always been an inquisitive and curious person. So actually I'm just at a point in life where I'm just thinking, I can actually do whatever I want to do. Yeah. It's okay. And you're fine with that. I'm fine with, you know, if I put some stuff on my Instagram about music and lose a hundred followers, I'm cool. Yeah. You know, because I'm just, I'm just, I am determined now to just roll forward with as much positivity as possible yeah. and to just do me. So that perspective that you've gained from these experiences, yeah. Yeah. did that enable you to handle these big changes last year in a different way than you might have done previously? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. There was just a lot more. My partner is a yoga teacher and she is generally one of those people who's kind of very positive about everything. And one of the things that she kind of brought into, you know, into my life is this idea of gratitude and waking up and making a gratitude list which when she suggested that to me, I was like, you're crazy, what do you mean, baby? Like, I'm gonna write down things that I'm happy for, no thank you. But it's actually been one of the best things I've ever done. Because I think that what happens is when you've been in the industry, in the creative industries for a long period of time, and you've seen so many changes, you know, and so many people come and go, and you've had so many experiences, you actually get to the point where you stop appreciating the great things that you've done. Or maybe you don't let yourself appreciate it as well. I think a lot of time, it's not even that you don't let yourself, you just don't recognise that they're happening. Right. You take it for granted. Yeah. You know, so I will often have situations, you know, where running or music or my work with young people has opened the door to an experience that I would never have had otherwise. Right. And I'll be sitting there basically being like, you know, what's in the fridge <laughs> at home? <laughs> You know, like we did when we did the BBC programme. Yeah. We did a BBC programme, Mind Over Marathon, you know, worked with a number, you know, 10 people with mental health, you know, issues, trained them from sofa to finish line of the marathon, got to hang out with the royal family on a first name basis. Yeah. Amazing experience. Amazing experience. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm sitting there being like, you know, I'm actually sitting next to the, like, you know, the future king of England. And I'm not even excited by the fact that I'm sitting next to the future King of England because I'm worrying about basically, you know, you know, what's in the fridge. Yeah. And actually, if, you'd, if I'd rewound time back to like my school days yeah. when I was struggling in my history lessons, yeah. this is a real super highlight that I should be really happy about. You, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it, it, it often seems to me to be linked to achievement as well, like a work ethic. So have you ever, historically, you, like, let's take something like your first record. Yeah. Did you appreciate that for what it was? Yeah. I mean, I think in those days, it was a bit more wide-eyed. Yeah. And, you know, it, getting a record out was kind of a really big achievement. Yeah. Well, of course. Know, yeah. You know, in those days. So physically so the, holding that record in my own hands yeah. and playing it on my turntable for the very first time... Was a moment. Was a moment that will never, ever, you know... Leave me. I remember kind of, I got the test pressings first and I called the rest of the band and I played the record down the phone yeah. and then I stopped the record. And they were like, oh my God, it's an actual real record. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, 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 it's really here, you know. Yeah. And that was like a really amazing moment. So you've had, but it sounds like this, like your, your partner giving you the tools to like experience gratitude again has, has helped you kind yeah. of rediscover that maybe a little bit. And I went on a retreat. Right. I went on a retreat last year, very reluctantly. As in like a meditation retreat? It was a meditation, yoga, and kind of experiential experience. Was it, was it silence? No, it wasn't silence. you can do the silence ones, can't you? No, it wasn't the silence one. Yeah. It, was just, it was just kind of 50 um, kind of adventurers. Right. And we went away um, and we went to OC Island, which is this kind of private island off the, you know, off the coast of Essex. You kind of you can either take a boat onto this island or you drive on you drive on when it's at low tide, and I went. I was like, three days of yoga, no thank you. Three <laughs> days of meditation, you can get lost. Three days of people I don't know. Right. I'm not. You know. I don't want to go. 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 I was thinking of all these excuses of why I couldn't go, and eventually, you know, 
again, my missus was like, go, babe. Give it a go. Give it a go. You never know what will happen. Yeah. Nice trans. It was just, it was such a big transformation. Really? What, what, in what way? Well, one of the things was that I realised is I'd kind of arrived on the island at a real crossroads with the running of like, where do we go next? Right. You know. As you were talking about earlier. And then, and then I met all these um, kind of adventurers, like people who'd kind of been on expeditions. Yeah. You know. And that was just a real thing. Like, man, there's this, like, there's this whole world that I don't know anything about. Like the expedition world, going on adventures. Yeah. You know. I met these two guys. Um, they're called the Tempest Two. Yeah, they did, they rode the Atlantic. Yeah, so, yeah. Is that, is that them yeah. guys? Yeah, yeah. And I, I know I know those guys from working with them when they were working for Vita Coco. Right. They were like the Vita Coco delivery crew. Really? Right. You know, they used to bring down drinks to run them. Right. That's funny, isn't it? You know, right. and I walk into this room and I'm like, oh man, it's so good to see you. How's life at Vita Coco? What's going on? You still in the deliveries? They're like, no, we just we're adventurers now. Just rode the Atlantic. Yeah. <laughs> and the way they told the story about kind of you know typical Friday night disillusioned with the job, end up in the pub. One says to you, what have you always wanted to do? Always wanted to row the Atlantic, mate. Second one says, cool, let's get a, some rowing lessons. Let's go and do it. And they went and did it. That for me was just like, okay, there's another chapter. What I liked about them two as well was they didn't bang on about the hardship angle. They just no. got it done, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, they looked yeah. like they had a laugh as well. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and I love the fact that they've, you know, they've been on subsequent adventures yeah I think they rode on motorbikes to Patagonia yeah and, and they just sit in the pub and think about things and there's not like super big funding around what they do and I love the fact that they basically you know they go out they have this amazing adventure they shoot all this amazing content and then they come back and you know the story continues yeah it just gave me purpose meeting them and just the whole it was just kind of like three days of positivity. Right. And it kind of reminded me of how the running crew movement was in the early days. Right. And it was really refreshing. And then this, the, de- the regular practice of, we are doing yoga twice a day. And the meditation and, and just being around just nice people was just kind of like, right, okay. And my big revelation at that moment was kind of, you know, looking around having this kind of really emotional experience in the class and just thinking, you know, most people in this room at this moment in time are white, middle class and can afford to go to yoga and can be afford to eat organic and can afford to be in well-being. And, and you know, and, and that was coupling with my, what is your purpose now, Charlie? Because, you know, you've got, the, you know, you've got people moving. You've got those who are hard to reach moving. What's next? And it suddenly made me realise, it was just like, a lot of times the people who need well-being most, one, don't know it exists, and secondly, they can't afford it. Yeah. And thirdly, they can't find a space that basically they feel comfortable in. Right. And suddenly I was like, right, that's the purpose. We're going to come off this island... We're going to retrain to be a yoga teacher. You know, we're going to immerse ourselves in the world of meditation and well-being. And we're going to go and spread that to as many people who are hard to reach because they need it most. You know, and that was suddenly was like a big cloud had been lifted from my eyes. And I was like, right, let's go. You know, and it was kind and it was just, it was just really, I don't know. For me, it was just kind of like, yes. Like you've been searching for all this time to find this thing. Because even if, you know, the thing about running is I still have to leave my house and I still need some equipment, you know. Whereas teaching someone to meditate, they can do that anywhere, you know. And teaching someone to wake up in the morning and just, you know, do some stretching and, you know, just to approach the day in a different way rather than reaching for the mobile phone first, let's, you know, let's go and do some chaturangas for, you know. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was just like a really like, wow. Right, so that's the, yeah. That's the plan. That's what you're doing. That's the plan. Yeah. We're going to try and take well-being to the hood. And you're still, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're still, um, but you're still involved with Rundown Crew, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, still, it's, still, it's still like your, your I'm movement. still in Rundown. I'm still, you know, the head of Run Them. Yeah. I'm still trying to, you know, leading it forward. Yeah. But I've just become a lot more relaxed about Run Them and, and what Run Them is and how people access and what t- how the touch points are. Yeah, yeah. Run Them. Yeah. So I'm just kind of a bit more like, it's cool. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's just basically brought a much 
more light and just a kind of just a bit more focus in you know into what we do yeah which is the reason why when people kind of like you know we want to hear you how you were running around at night in the depths of east london and it was super urban and i was like well that was 10 years ago yeah you know? well that's what i was going to say as well like it seems that you've always used these things as means to an end rather than an end in itself yeah, yeah you yeah. know the point isn't just to go running it's like what does it give you yeah i mean my thing has always been like whenever there's a hole and i can't find a space for myself i create the space so I only started making music because basically I, I got to a point where I was disillusioned with DJing and playing American rap records. Right. I'm growing up in South London. I yeah. don't have a gun, cars, girls, gold. Yeah, yeah. I don't have any of that. Yeah. I want to make records that reflect what it's like growing up in, in the UK. And how, then... How does that align... Sorry to interrupt yeah. you. How does that align with your pretender? Because that's the yeah. pretender syndrome that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. I'm just interested because that seems like the, the thought process of, of confidence to think like... There's a hole there. I yeah. can fill it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then earlier you were like, oh, I've just always had this thing. Whereas <laughs> if I... Well, I think... They seem a little contradictory. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I think most people have a pretender syndrome. Yeah. Some buried somewhere. I think it's a big part of creating, isn't it? Yeah. I think a lot... You've of, got to get past that. Yeah. I think a lot of people have that, you know. But I think, you know, the thing about filling the hole... I mean, I'm at the point now in my life where basically I'm kind of like, you know, I'm never going to sink to a depth which is as low as it was when I came out of the, you know, the major label industry. You know, there's never going to be a decision that's ever made in my life that will affect me as much as it, as it, it is to be dropped from a major label when your whole life has been about music, 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 and being signed to a major, you know. Um, and so therefore I'm kind of like, what's the worst thing that could happen to me? You know, some people might laugh, you know, some people might think I'm crazy but I've done enough things and created enough movements, you know, by now to know that basically, I'm, you know, I'm, if I fall, I'm going to pick myself up and just carry on, you know? And there's a lot of people in this life who basically, they just wake up and their whole day is just about being as negative as they can to other people. But you often find those people when it comes around and it's you one-on-one -on -one with them, they're not very happy anyway. No. So... Well, they lack the confidence. Yeah, they lack the confidence. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've... I've, we've through doing Run Them, so much flack. You know, complaints, criticism from the industry. Really? Hate mail. We've had all of it. Right. We've had all, you know, we've had so much stuff that we... What did you put that down to? I put it down to basically, again, this is this thing of kind of, you know, it's brands and money and opportunities. So, you know, if you've been kind of, you know, like we received a tremendous amount of resentment from like, you know, what I would call the traditional running world when we first came out. Really? Yeah, what? because... Threatened. We just got lots of complaints. Yeah. You're noisy. No, I mean, as in they were threatened. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a sense of being threatened and then also a sense of not understanding what we were doing and also a sense of jealousy in some ways because you suddenly got these guys who've come in, you've been running six months, but you're working with the biggest sports brand in the world. Yeah. I've been running my running club for 60 years yeah. and I can't even get them to pick up the phone to me. <laughs> yeah. Do you mean? Yeah. I look like a runner. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. You know, you listen to music when you run. I don't. I'm serious. I know about VO2 Max. You don't know about that. I go track. <laughs> what do you do? You go for a run and then you go to the pub. Right. And put it on Instagram. Right. Like, what's that about? Wow. Okay. You know? It's not a world I really know much about, so I'm kind of... But yeah. it, make, it makes a lot of sense, you know, to, to hear that... Listen, I mean... I mean, you it's, know, it's, 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 you're talking day, about an establishment, aren't you? Basically. Yeah, yeah establishment. You know. But, you know, it's kind of... I've always had to fight against the establishment, so that's okay. Well, the, the, another theme that I noticed in, in sort of researching this and is, yeah, the, the, it seems to be that you, you, you try to get past gatekeepers yeah yeah yeah. people that are telling you that you can't do yeah, it definitely you know what i mean like people that are saying you can't do that yeah definitely you know you're not from the right background or yeah. you're not from the right yeah you're, you know that's not what you do yeah is that is that right fair to yeah, say yeah, that's a, bit, a big theme always but i think it's basically again that comes from the period of time and the area that i grew up in right so i grew up in you know in south london in the 80s when it wasn't cool to live in Peckham. Before you didn't cost five quid for a Scotch egg. Thank you. Before gentrification <laughs> came, you know. But I, you know, as people know, you know, I spent seven years in private school. You know, I got a sister place to go to, like, really great school in London. 
with loads of kids who had cash and money. Well, and there's always be. been money in that part of town, yeah. but just, you know, yeah. organised differently than exactly. it is now, isn't it, you know? Yeah. So from the age of 12, I suddenly found myself in an environment where I was just like, I'm a fish out of water. Right. And there were lots of gatekeepers here. Yeah. You know, and I either stand up to these gatekeepers and, or, and find my own path. Yeah. Or I shrink and be voiceless. And I think, you know, thankfully hip hop arrived at a time in my life when I needed to learn how to find a voice. And it really helped me. And so my thing with gatekeepers is, you know, is often I think with gatekeepers, sometimes the gatekeepers are not forward thinking. So when we encountered so much resistance in running, our thing was like, cool, if you continue to look at running in this way, it will die. If I look at kind of, you know, British middle distance running, I wouldn't say it's in a really super amazing place. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I grew up in the 80s in the Crow, Co, Cram, yeah. you know, biggest, era. Biggest athletes in the country, weren't they? You know what I mean? It's kind of like, you're not really, we're not really in that spectacular golden time. And no. I, you know, and I have a theory on that because I feel there are lots of people who, who actually are being excluded from even trying. And it, what a missed opportunity as well. That platform, those achievements. Because, I mean, that's how they, they, they organise it and try and fund it now, isn't yeah. it? Traditional sport. Mm. You know, it's like, we won the medals, we'll bring the money yeah. in, that justifies it. Yeah. That's the whole funding process, yeah. isn't it? So for them to have that platform and not be able to capitalise on yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's, you know, there's no, no, there's no one who can sit there in the running industry and say that, you know, the rise of the urban running crews hasn't affected what they do. We changed the way the clothes look, we changed the way people look at running, we change the type of activations that happen, the type of people that get into running. From all aspects, not even just the running, even the stuff that we do at London Marathon around Cheerdom, just kind of actually trying to, you know, correct touch points for people. So my thing when people are kind of criticising what we do, I'm just like, you know, at the end of the day, we've always had, we love running so much that that's always been at the heart of what we do. Yeah, well, your you know? thing's always been inclusive, hasn't it? And yeah. I think that attitude is protectionist, isn't it? It's about saying like, no, this is our thing. Yeah, yeah. You got to keep out. Yeah. You come in. I love when I go to like some super cross country event and we, yeah. you know, we roll up and it's like, you know, people are just looking at us like we're just aliens have landed. Right. <laughs> we're in t-shirts. Is, is it any better now? That relationship? It depends on where you go. If right. I'm really, really honest. You know, I, feel, I still think there's a lot of work to be done. I mean, it's in common. It's everywhere though, isn't it? I mean, I saw you tweeted something from like a poetry magazine, which yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which <laughs> yeah, was yeah. you know, like- The poet, yeah. Exactly this, exactly wasn't it? Same, yeah. It's exactly yeah. this, it yeah. was basically like, who do these people think yeah. they are? Yeah. You know, yeah. don't they get the, I mean, it was literally like, don't yeah. they get the rules? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's yeah. rules here. Yeah, there's rules here. You know, and they're not yeah. following the rules. So, not they, following, yeah. so they can't come in, you know. I mean, my thing is that basically, you know, a lot of times the people who are the gatekeepers and the people who complain don't actually have any involvement in grassroots. You're not going into a school in, in Hackney, you know, and basically talking to the kids there and asking them, why don't you run? Do you mean, what is your daily routine? You know, your daily routine is basically you wake up, you know, you smoke the remains of the spliff that was in the ashtray from last night. Then you basically put on your I'm going outside face, which is generally angry, you know. Um, you're coming out of your house in, in an area which is changing dramatically around you because gentrification has come and hit. The places you could hang out in, you can't hang out in anymore. There's nowhere for you to go and there's nothing for you to do. And there's nothing you can do about it. Do you know what I mean? And there's nothing you can do about it. And then, you know, an organisation like Run Them come along and be like, cool, great, we don't care that you can't run five miles. Let's run down to the lamppost and run back. And then we're going to go have some chocolate and then we're going to go and talk about life. Oh, here's a guy who basically, you know, works for Virgin. You know what I mean? He's going to informally mentor you for the next hour while you go on this run. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like, you know, we're going to go and do a bridge to gap in Paris. You've never been out of the country before. We're going to apply for your passport for you and we're going to pay for your ticket just so you can have the experience of going. Because we know that once you go and you come back, the way that you talk about this experience will change the lives of other people in your community. That's what we do. So, you know, and we get, you know, we've, we've proven that we've got young people up and moving. We started talking about mental health and running a long time before other people started doing, you know, and it's kind of like when we did the BBC programme, everyone was like, 
don't do it, can't do it, don't talk about mental health, don't publicly talk about mental health and running in public, it'd be the detriment of your career. I'm like, I don't care, it's important, you know? It's kind of, if you've sat, you know, in an, if you've ever sat, you know, been around or family or a funeral where someone has taken their life, then you're gonna do whatever you can do to make sure that never happens to anyone else again. You know, and so my thing is, I, I, you know, I love it when I open up my in inbox and there's someone complaining about something. I'm like, that's brilliant. It's great. It's <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Great. Because then that shows that you're doing, you know, because all the people I like are disruptors. Yeah. You know, they always went against the, the norm. Yeah. We get loads. It's funny because every time we do press, we get loads of more people who, who want to be involved. Right. And what we find at the moment is a lot of people who kind of, you know, traditionally they'd be running with their running club. Yeah. But the running club's not giving them what they really need because ultimately the thing about running people is it's always a bit more than the running. You're either running away from something or you're running towards something. There's always something more. And a lot of times I find that, you know, what we're finding is we're getting people who are very kind of like, you know, super traditional. They've run at school, they've run for the country, they've run for the county, you know, and then they're like, I was in the club and I wasn't really, it wasn't really giving me what I needed. Right. I'm gonna try you crew guys out. Yeah, you know, because you you're addressing that basically. You're giving well, you're giving them a platform to address that. Well, we're telling them it's it's more than just the running. Yeah, because yeah, the yeah. thing is, you know, as I always say to people, it's like if you want to get young people moving, you need to explain to them how moving impacts the other aspects of their life. Have you always been that in tune with that yourself? You know, my whole thing is kind of I've always been the odd one out. Always been the odd one out because. You know, born in the 70s in London, you know, and my parents from Ghana in West Africa. So we were African kids in London in the 70s. That was not cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it was just not cool, you know. And, and then when I was at school, you know, my, my parents are kind of like from super education kind of world, you know, education is the key. So, you know, your head's been pumped full of books and kind of experiences. So then you're an odd one out because you're at school in the eight, you know, in the late seventies. Everyone else, people are like, we're not, we don't care about school. <laughs> what do you mean? Like you actually like school? People yeah. are looking. You, know, you like you books. Know, you like books, and then you go to you know, secondary school, and you're the odd one out again because you know, and it's it's funny. It's it's funny when you talk about race in 2018 because people kind of look at you like, oh, well, you know, everything's cool now. But I'm like, you rewind to the eighties. I was getting chased by the National Front on the way home. You know, that was my daily kind of like thing. I'm coming out of school. Am I running for my life right here? You know, and then being in a place where suddenly you're exposed to people who've got money. You know, remember this is 80s, yeah. like 80s money. And, you know, they've had experiences that you haven't had. Suddenly starts making you look at your life like, hold on a minute, the world is really not equal. Yeah. And there's this whole other world out there that you can access if only you can learn how to navigate. But more importantly, once you've learned how to navigate, you need to come back and tell your people, you know, what you found so that we can all be on the level, same level playing field. So that's always driven it. That's always, always, always driven it. Yeah. You know, and I just think it's basically... Whatever it is. Whatever it is. And they will always drive it. Yeah. I've, you know, believe you me, I've tried to conform. I've tried to fit in. When I was in the music industry, I think, you know, when I was at the height of it, I think I was, that was a time when I was really trying to conform, you know, so I was conforming with the clothes I wore, you know, the lifestyle I tried to lead, you know, the type of people that I tried to be around. I was trying to conform. So why did you feel that need to conform, do you be think? Because I think you get to a point where you don't want to stand out. You don't want to walk into the room and everyone turns around to look at you. Yeah. So you try to find the answer like, yeah, to just, blend in. You just want to blend in. Yeah. You know, and if everyone else is basically buying cars and trainers and, you know, going crazy buying records and just crazy on life, you know, you want to be in that too because it's a sense of wanting to belong to something. I've always wanted to belong to something. Yeah. So when you, because um, you've, you've described getting dropped as yeah. like the defining... <laughs> Negative experience of your yeah. life, if that's not overstating it. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it was. It was, yeah, yeah, definitely. W was it that experience that enabled you to kind of, you know, realise this perspective that you're describing? Because this sounds like this is, this is the product of, you know, 
I think a life. I think the pers- the the change perspective hasn't been immediate. It's been gradual. Yeah, it's been really gradual, and it's been also it's been helped by just kind of, in a weird way, Instagram. Right. It's been a real help. Right. Yeah. Well, that that's an unusual thing to say these because, days. Yeah, you know, <laughs> because I've met some people. Mostly, I'm like people like fucking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I hate you. Yeah. But I've met some people who actually have just opened my eyes to like, you know, a different way of thinking. So, for example, like when you start, you know, discovering the world of meditation, you're like, all right, so what? We're going to sit around in a circle with our eyes closed for half an hour. <laughs> Are you nuts? For 10 days. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, you know, and for my community, it's not a thing that we do. It's not, you know what I mean? It's like, we didn't grow up meditating. We weren't meditating in the studio. That's not something we did. We did. You know, so when you start talking about that and people reach out to you and you're like, well, this is how I got into it. You know, have you read this book? Check out this podcast. Do you mean go and check this website out? And then suddenly it's kind of like the knowledge is being passed around from people that you trust because they've had either similar lives to you or, you know, you can you kind of you're like you're on the same wavelength. You know, it's kind of like that teacher that you had at school who was kind of like, you know, you had a Smith's badge. Yeah. And you're like, oh man, like, you know. <laughs> he's, got the, he's got the sign. He's got the sign. Yeah. Like, he's not as, like, yeah, he's, he's one of the different ones. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, he drives a mini, everyone else has got an escort. Well, back then, it, you needed them signs. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because you know. otherwise, there was no way to tell him, was there? Yeah. But I just realized, you know, a lot of things where I just realized that basically my foot is firmly in the door, you know, and I'm allowing people to come through. Yeah. You know, it's not like my foot is in the door and it's going to spring back at some point. Yeah. It's, in the door now, you know, I've got a place at the table, so let me basically kind of like, you know, let me basically try and help as many people as I can whilst I've got this platform. Yeah. Do you think a large part of this as well is accepting who you are? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely like, you know. And being happy with that. Yeah, and being, yeah, definitely. I think like, you know, accepting the fact that it's okay to be slightly odd, it's okay to be slightly different. It's okay to be just thinking a slightly different way. And that has come from, like, that acceptance has come from hanging out with people who are younger than myself. Right. That's because, interesting. Because you hang out with someone who's like, you know, through Run Them and, the, you know, the Run Them Crew Youngest projects that we do and the projects we do with young people, you get to meet young people who, who meet you with no baggage. They don't know that you were signed to Sony. They don't know you did Moax. Yeah. They don't know you had the whole poetry. They don't know anything. Probably They're don't just know what like, Moax is. They don't even know what it is. They're just like, is he cool? Is he not? Yeah. Do you mean, is he a nice guy? Is he not a nice guy? Simple. Yeah. And that's been really refreshing because they just accept you. They're like, yeah, you're a bit weird. But we quite, quite like the fact that you're a bit weird. Yeah. You know, and I think also I'm, I kind of came up at a time when it wasn't cool to talk about being good at something. The whole thing was like, be understated. Yeah. No one really... I wonder if that's a, gener- a generational thing as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, my son's 10 years old. He thinks he's like he's Superman. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's definitely, I think it's, it's a generational thing. But I think that actually like, you know, a combination of all those things and hanging out with younger people. I read this thing about Miles Davis and how like every three years or so he would change his band. And then he'd find the baddest, you know, the most amazing young players and they become the new band. Yeah. And he would change the course of music again. Yeah. You know, and... I loved like working with young people because they just they got this energy where it's just like they keep you on your toes because they don't sleep. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, you can impart some of the knowledge onto them. And my thing has always been about if you want real change to happen, you need to have your people on the inside. It's really hard to put up a building from the outside. You've got to get in and you've got to get to the foundations. So one of our things, you know, what's been really amazing now is seeing young people who've, you know, come for our Run Crew Youngers projects now working with brands, you know, that we've worked with, but they're now making decisions. Right. You know, but because they've come up through this system, it's kind of like, you know, you can see a shift is happening. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, we've in, 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 and so many people have passed, you know, have passed through Run Them. You know, Skeptas, you know, Skeptas, management came through running. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of, there are all these people who basically like, are bringing cultural change who somehow had an attachment to run them. Like, so it's like, you know, 
we didn't do too bad. So, I mean, it's a good point for the old uh, what are you proudest of question then. Because, you know, there's a big, there's a big CV there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Um, what am I... I'm most proud, I'd say, of Mind Over Marathon. The BBC programme. The BBC programme that we did, you know, because everyone told us not to do it. Um, and I'm really proud about the fact that everyone who's involved in that programme is still in contact with each other. Right. And they're still moving and they're still running. And we did something that people said, you'll never be able to do that because your methods are too unconventional. Really? Yeah. But you obviously didn't believe that. That sounds like that was probably a challenge to you. Well, I mean, we, we just got, we just faced this resistance all the way through, you know, and... More gatekeepers. More gatekeepers because... Ultimately, end of the day, the thing about running and mental health is when you put those two things together, they come with these connotations of how it should be and, and, and London Marathon. So we defied all convention because the convention to train for marathon is run a load of miles, <laughs> a lot, yeah. high volume of mileage. Get a runner's world, download a three-month program. Thank you. you know. Do you know what I mean? And we completely were just like, the people that we're dealing with, they don't need that. They need a family first. They need a sense of belonging. They yeah. need a crew, first of all. If you get the crew thing right, they run forever. If you don't get the crew thing right, they're never, never going to run. And so actually seeing kind of almost like 10 years of your, of your work with running them, which really has been a bit of an experiment, you know, actually on national TV yeah. with 18 million viewers and the royal family, yeah. and it to actually work, I was like, my work here is done. Did that, were you validated? Do you know what I mean? We, we yeah, I definitely, was, I definitely had a moment where I was like, you know, we did all right. Yeah. This is cool. You talked a lot about the work that you do and what it gives to other people. Yeah. But what, what about what it gives to you personally? You know, f for me, I get a tremendous sense of contentment from working with young people and seeing them change their lives around and the impact that it has on them and their families and their communities. Um, I get a tremendous sense of contentment from trying something new and being scared out of my wits and actually managing to pull it off. Right. You know, there's still an element of me when I sit in a brand meeting and, a, and you know, and I'm like, these people actually think that I know what I'm talking about. Pretender <laughs> <Is that laughs> syndrome. This is amazing. Again. Do you mean, yeah. you know, and there's something really nice about kind of thinking of a crazy idea at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And then like... There was a time where you didn't have a podcast, and now you do. Yeah. And people actually listen to it. Yeah, yeah. There's a sense of achievement, you know, in that. And I'm just in a point in my life, I'm just like, I'm just really, really, really happy. And, you know, and I don't feel guilty about that. Is that a new thing? Yeah. Because a lot of times when you're superly happy and content with life, people are like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> like, <laughs> what's your problem? Why are you so happy? Yeah. You know, I've got a friend who like, you know, he basically has been in and out of prison a few times. Right. I'm like, what's it like in prison? He's like, I'm not in a prison. I'm in a hotel. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, I'm in a hotel. They bring me three meals a day. And at night, they lock me up for my safety. When he says it to you, you're like, man, like, this place sounds cool. Like, I want to go there. But, you know, I just think there's something really... Um, I just think, you know, for me, my thing is just trying to spread that positivity to people. Because I, I, I don't think a lot of people realise how many people in the, in the world who actually, when they wake up, they immediately have to go into game face mode. And, you know, the problems that brings. Yeah. You know, and as someone who has been kind of like to the darkest depths and come out the other side a few times, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, this is why I love doing stuff like this because it's kind of getting to talk to people, you know, who you wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and that game face that you describe him, I mean, it can, it can separate you from yourself, can't it? Yeah. Like from who you really are. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. from what you really want. Because yeah. you're acting in a way that you feel, as we've been describing, yeah. that you need to, yeah. to sort of get that validation, yeah. really. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things for me, like, you know, one, one of the things I realised, like, you know, why I'm on this kind of, kind of like spring and the well-being love, is if you work with young people, then invariably what happens is at some point you lose one of those young people. Maybe you lose them to, you know... Um, you might lose them to prison, you might lose them to, you know, taking their own life, 
but you know, particularly London at the moment, you're gonna, you might, you're likely to lose someone to knife crime. Yeah, I mean, even today, it's like, you know, yeah, you know. And so, if, when you've lost, when you've worked with young people and you've lost someone to knife crime, what you realise is kind of like there are reasons why these crimes are perpetrated because you know, there's got to be a reason why before you leave the house, you're going to go to the kitchen drawer and pick up a weapon to walk around to protect yourself or impart harm to someone else. And I think a lot of times, you know, it has to do with, you know, self-esteem and the pressures that society puts on you. And so if there's anything that I can do to basically like get to you so that when you wake up in the morning and you open your eyes, you've just got like a, a routine that you go through that just means that you leave the house with a, just a bit more kind of like openness in your heart that keeps people alive for longer. Like, I'm all, I'm all for that. So even in my own thing where, you know, I was quite a volatile, you know, young teenager. I was angry at the world, you know, and I'd react to situations. And, and even when I was making music in the 90s, a lot of that was kind of like, you know, revenge music. Like, you know, you laughed at me <laughs> in the classroom in 1984, <laughs> so I'm going to make this banger of a record to the, defeat you. The shit list. Yeah, you know, and you can't, go through life like that so now a lot of times you know just the ability to walk away from a confrontation yeah to smile at someone who basically is giving you an off vibe yeah you know to ignore like a, a micro you know aggression it makes you feel like yoda like you're some jedi superhero kind of like you know and it sounds really weird but it's, it's very similar to how i felt like with running where I discovered running at a point in, in my, you know, where I was really low and I felt like I didn't have a voice and I didn't have anything. It's like, it was almost like, if I can't make music, what am I going to do? Well, it, it sounds like you're talking about making positive decisions. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. and, and, and it's forward movement, isn't it? You know, it's like just doing something that's going to take you forward. Yeah. Like whatever that is. Yeah. Like whether, you know, just a, just a simple decision. Yeah. You know? And if that is ignoring confrontation, that's a positive decision, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, can, I think... You can, and you can build on that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, it's a powerful thing to be in a... You know, because I've worked in nightclubs for most of my life. And nightclubs are filled with people who are trying to escape themselves. Do I mean? And there are people who go to the nightclub to prove how much, like, I'm going to show you how much of a man I am. But the ability to walk, you know, when someone comes up to you and, and rudely asks you, play this record now, and to actually talk, you know... Whereas before I'd be like, fuck you, I ain't playing that now. Don't you know who I am? Uh -uh. And then it all just kicks off into this thing to actually just be like, oh, yeah, cool. What is it? Like, it's no skin of my nose. Yeah, whatever. It's cool. It's like, <laughs> it's cool. We're all good. You know, and I think the more I can kind of give that off, because it's not a war as soon as you open, leave your house. It doesn't have to be a war. The world doesn't have to be a war as soon as you leave your house. You know, it's kind of like, so that's, you know, yeah, and that's my thing. And I, and I, and I, you know, when I started running them, people would like, in my, you know, apart from all the hate that we got from kind of people who were kind of threatened by what we did, there was also the thing of people who I knew who were just like, what are you doing? Why are you embarrassing yourself? Like, look at the clothes. <laughs> Charlie, like, yeah. like, what are you doing? Yeah, what, what, what's this then? Yeah, why yeah. are you doing it? Yeah, and, then, yeah. you know, and when I started working with, with brands, that wasn't the thing, you know, there was no Instagram, so people didn't know that that's what people did. Yeah. So there was a kind of like, man, like how can you work with this brand? Like, what are you doing, man? Right. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm, I'm trailblazing right now. <laughs> this is the way it's gonna go. Yeah. You know, now everyone wants to be like, you know, have a, some form of brand allegiance. Like we're yeah. trying to get out of that, you know, we're trying to be our own brands, you know, it's kind of. Has, has a lot of it been about your relationship with the city as well and, and yeah. rediscovering the city? Yes. That seems to be another yeah, fairly yeah. common threading a lot of what you've been doing whether it's your music whether it's running yeah um london has been very very important yeah but obviously a very fucking obvious statement but it's changes so much that yeah. you, you need to recalibrate your relationship with it don't you yeah well with any city yeah you know i mean yeah. i'm from manchester the same yeah. for me when i go home like yeah. i don't you know you need you need to check in constantly yeah to have that relationship with yeah. it has, has that been a yeah yeah definitely i think you know especially london's always been really important to me it's a city that I love. I, you know, I always say it's a melting pot that absorbs culture from around the world and remixes it and spits it out. Um, let me just make sure of everything. Um, but I would also say that basically starting to run them allowed me to rediscover the city in a new way. And you know, the path that I've been on in, in the last year has also allowed me to, to, to discover people 
and spaces in the cities I didn't know, that I didn't know existed or maybe wouldn't have felt comfortable in before. You know, I walk into any yoga studio now, topple out of a pose, fall on the floor. I'm like, I'm cool, this is good. It's like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, because the yogi world is funny, it reminds me of, you know, people that, you know, it's got its own rules and regulations. Oh, so, you know, yeah, it's so, can be super intimidating. So arcane, isn't it? You know, all these little rituals and, Yeah, you and know. I'm just like, you got no idea. Yeah. Like, you know, when we get the, you know, when the hood embraces well-being, you're going to see some real change. Because <laughs> you think about it, like, you know, you're from Manchester. So think about Moss Side, you know. And, uh, you know, as a man that's from London, uh, you know, I remember we'd go to Manchester to DJ and they'd be like, when you go to Manchester, you've got to be careful, you know. It's yeah, like yeah. Moss Side, you'd be, be like, these Manchester boys can't say nothing to me. Moss Side and Hume. Yeah, yeah, and Hume and like, you know. And then you'd go there and be like terrified, you yeah. know. It's kind of... Oh man, that is yeah. now the most gentrified yeah, part of exactly. Manchester. You know, yeah. was there, a club? there was a club, I can't remember what it's called, but it's basically, remember the guy, it's this guy had a, his head was all tattooed and he had like a mouthful of grill, like gold, uh, them scary kind of Manchester kind of like gangster dudes. But I'm just like, you think about places like that, when people like that kind of start to embrace well-being, as funny as weird as it sounds, Think about the changes that you know will start to happen. Because one of my thing, big things at the moment is uniting. You know, I, everything's very London centric at the moment, which is to me, I'm just like, you know, London's boring. Like, there's all these other places, and yeah. also one thing that's really frightens me is there's like there's this demographic of kind of like people who've been forgotten. Northern men. Yeah. Young northern men. Working class men. Yeah, young working class men. It's like they don't exist. Yeah. I think it's a real shame. Well, you can see the, the, the changes that that's wreaking in society right now. Yeah. Before our very eyes, can't you? Yeah, yeah, Basically. Yeah, definitely. definitely. And I think it's, you know, it's really important in those worlds to come together. And the same, you know, the same when I look at running world, it's kind of at the moment, it's a very, everyone's like, you know, these guys are cool because they wear t-shirts and they run at night. And these guys are kind of old school because they wear vests and they do cross country. And those two worlds should never meet. And I'm like, yeah, they should meet because that's when the exciting new world starts to happen, yeah. you know, because as I always say to people, you know, the fastest guy in run them at the moment ran London Marathon in 2.21. Right. You know, but because he runs in the crew, people are just like, oh, he's a casual runner. I'm like, you're not a casual runner when you're running 2.21 no. Marathon, <laughs> got full-time job, yeah. you know, and all that type of stuff. And we've got to do more stuff with the, you know, with the club guys. Yeah. You know, in that traditional kind of world. Last question then. You're good. You can tell you're a journalist. You can ask some really good questions. Thanks, man. Yeah, really, really good questions. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Cheers. Mm -hmm. um, so what's next for you? <laughs> um, what is next for me is uh, more adventures. You know, I think um, the outdoors, embracing the outdoors more, you know, is one of my really big priorities for this year. It's kind of just kind of trying to, get away from the concrete. Yeah. We've told the urban story, trying to get into the outdoors and kind of trying to open that up to communities again, to just be like, it's not a scary place. Yeah. It's not a place that you only kind of interact with at, at music festivals. There's this whole other thing that you can do there. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, delving deep into yoga, deep into the meditation, you know, trying to translate well-being back into the community in a way that's kind of understandable and not scary is really important to me. Because yeah. that's what I've realized of what I am is essentially I'm a translator, Yeah, you know. Um, and yeah, just basically, you know, more traveling round and just kind of enjoying being a 47 year old man and everything that comes with. That's a tougher brief than it sounds. <laughs> it is a tougher brief than it sounds, but I think if you stay fluid. Just, I'm saying that as yeah. a four year old man myself. You well, know. I think, you know, the thing is, no one prepares you for 40 because our idea of 40 when we were kids is like your life is over. Yeah. It's just your dad sitting in the chair, not exactly. talking to anyone. Yeah, but it's different yeah. now. Yeah, it's way different. That's now. like what I like to tell myself anyway. I mean, you know, I just think for me, it's kind of like, I love it when you hang out with a load of people and they're like, you know, how old are you? Like, I'm 47. They're like, oh my God. <laughs> but you wear trainers. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm always going to wear trainers. It's, it's cool. It's like, yeah, so I am. Yeah, it's the thing I am. So yeah, that's the thing. Well, look forward to seeing what, what unfolds, man. Thanks. thanks very much. Look forward to seeing what comes up with you. Yeah, well, thanks for coming on. No Appreciate problem at all. It. So there you go. That was my chat with Charlie Dark. And yeah, it was a good one, that, eh? 
had a blast speaking to Charlie. As you can probably tell, he's a proper force of nature. And as you can probably hear, he's funny too. Taking well-being to the hood. Can't wait to see how that one pans out. I just thought there was a lot to get your teeth into there. A lot of really thought-provoking and interesting concepts and ways of looking at the life experiences we all struggle with. So yeah, thanks for coming on the show, Charlie. Much appreciated. So what else is going on? Well, I'm in Canada for a few days, which is nice. No podcast plans. Instead, I'm writing a story for Metro and generally uh, going snowboarding, which has been a right laugh, I've got to say. I uh, I got here just after Billy Morgan won bronze in the Olympics. Obviously, very, very happy for Billy. And um, I went back and listened to the show we did together. And yeah, it's really, uh, really interesting listening to it back after after know, knowing what the outcome was. So yeah, big ups to Billy. Um, and big thanks to everybody who continues to get in touch and suggest guests, give me feedback, or just to say hello. Definitely more and more of you suggesting people on social media, which is great. But I do have a suggestion. Tag them in. Let them know. Let them know about the podcast. Let them know you want, you want to hear them on here. I mean, I'll give you one example. Jenny Jones. So Jenny is probably my most requested guest, particularly she's been all over TV recently. And I'm hopefully going to get her on here this summer. But, you know, if you think Jenny should be on here, tag her in. Hit her up. Same for anyone else. Let them know that the great Looking Sideways listing public wants to hear from them. And, uh, yeah, let's see if it works. So there you go. That's it for this week. Um, thanks as ever for tuning in. And I'll see you next time. Nice one. <laughs>